Everlasting, And because you are my son, because you are my child, because I have welcomed you into my family, you don't have to get caught up in all the comings and goings of leaders and kings and all of the things that happen in the world. You can keep your hope fully set on me. And let that be where you aim your life. Let that be the anchor for your soul that keeps you steady and steadfast. And so the book of Daniel given to us, the reason that we labeled it, gave it the tagline, a hope for exiles, is that we also need that type of hope. We need to be able to look forward and anchor our our lives to something that is not of this world as we wait for the glorious return of Jesus Christ. And so our prayer has been, as we worked our way through this book, our prayer has been that you'd see two things. The first that this is not our home. This is not the place that we need to make everything about. And the second, that God is sovereign over all things and through Christ has secured our future and nothing can change it. There's nothing that can happen in your life today if you are a follower of Jesus Christ that can change your eternity. What a glorious hope that is. What freedom comes with that. We all dream, perhaps, maybe you're like me and you think, I'd like to win the lottery. Just imagine, and you know, when those big, uh, um, you can tell I don't play a lot, but whatever those big ones are, the mega millions, right? The mega millions, when they come around and we all clamor to get our ticket because we can win those mega millions, what are we thinking of? What is the real aspiration? Of course, there's a few toys that we want to buy, but the mega millions would buy us whatever. We'd run out of toys pretty quickly. Some of you have longer lists of toys, but you know, you'd get there. What are we really putting our hope in? What is is the real kind of excitement that comes from that? That we'd be free and we would have no burdens in this life because financially, in our minds at least, we believe that if we had that, everything else would be settled. And we wouldn't have to worry and we wouldn't have to stress. Let me tell you, that isn't the truth about finances or the lottery, but it's the, the, the hope that we have. But it is what's true about our eternity in Jesus Christ. We don't have to stress and worry and be burdened by all the comings and goings of this life because we have been set free, free indeed, he says. And in that freedom, we have to operate and go and do and live our lives however we would live our lives. I had breakfast this this last week with a young man um, who uh, was, was a former uh, student here in Melissa, and uh, I've stayed in touch with him, just had the, the blessing of being able to connect with him periodically. And so we had breakfast, and he's talking about his dreams and his aspirations and all of these sorts of things, and he's concerned. He's like, I just don't know exactly what God's will for my life is. And I was able to just have a conversation with him and say, you know what, I don't know what God's will for your life is, what the, the long term is, but I do know what God's will for your life is today to honor him, to glorify him, to work as unto the Lord, to go out and pursue his kingdom, to make disciples of all nations. So find your friends that you have interactions with that don't know Jesus and tell them about him. And if you just do that today, and then you go and do that tomorrow, and then you do that on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, and then on Friday, and on Saturday and Sunday, and you keep doing that every day of your life, if you live and accomplish God's will for your life, which is very clear, there is no doubt about what we're supposed to do today in this book. 
If we would just do that day by day, we will look up and we will arrive at the end of a life and we will say, wow, I accomplished God's will for my life. Isn't that what we hope for? As we think to the end of our lives and we think about people coming forward, coming down this aisle and grabbing a mic and let me tell you a little bit about the life of this man or this woman. Isn't it a little bit in our hopes, and I know it's somewhat prideful, but just we hope that maybe we'd make an impact that we would see them speak of us in honoring ways, in a way that honors the Lord, you do that by daily living in God's will. And we start with that by understanding that He is sovereign over all things, and we can put our trust in Him, and that this is not our home. During this series, I told you about the story of our move to Melissa. And when we moved to Melissa, we, our first uh, house here in the city uh, was a temporary home for us. We didn't really know where we were going to go. We thought perhaps, we'd st- we didn't really think about staying in Melissa initially, but we thought we're, we're at least just going to be here temporarily. And so guess what we did? The only thing that we unpacked were necessities. We left the winter clothes in the boxes. We left all of the china and all of those nice things that we're going to sit down for Thanksgiving dinner with packed up in the boxes. We had a few of the most basic of table settings. We had a few sets of clothes just to get us through the summer months because we didn't expect to stay here very long. We didn't expect to stay in that home. So it would have not made sense to unpack and get everything set up for us just to move again. Metaphorically, that speaks to the way that we're called to live our lives as Christians. We're not supposed to make this life everything. We're not supposed to set everything out and get everything set up perfectly so that we can do and enjoy this life to the fullest. No, we're supposed to live as exiles, ready to be on the move, with our treasure somewhere else. And where? Our treasure in heaven, our treasure in the future, our treasure found in the kingdom of God. And our hope found in that kingdom so that in this life, we're free and we can be open-handed. Our treasure living, and as we remember that this is not our home, our treasure is in that future place. And so we live our lives with our hands open, with a loose grip on this world so that we can be entrusted, we can receive whatever God has for us. And so all throughout Daniel, we've heard stories and the prophecies and the things that have happened in Daniel's life have been to remind him and to remind us, we're exiles. Don't make it all about this place, but live for a future hope. So as we come to Daniel chapter 12, we're in the end, as I alluded to last week, Daniel has one final long vision, and it's spread out from the beginning or the end of Daniel chapter 10, goes all the way through chapter 11, and is completed in chapter 12. And so we had to break this vision up into into two parts, essentially. But this vision that he's given, Daniel wants to know about the end. What about the end? What's going to happen in the end? And so Daniel's given this vision, and there's essentially two uh, prophetic statements that are given to Daniel, and he's speaking with a pre-incarnate Christ. He's seeing Jesus before he took on flesh and came to earth, but he's seeing an angel, one that looks like the Son of Man, it says in Daniel chapter 10, is speaking to him, and he's telling him about all the things that will come in the end. And essentially he says there's two things, and they're both going to be really bad. There's going to be a great war and an attack on you, the people. The leader Antiochus is who he's talking about, and that leader will persecute the people of God, and you will have uh, just all sorts of hardships will come under his reign and under his authority. Things will not get better. But here's the worst news, Daniel. After that, the Antichrist will come. 
And the Antichrist will make it even worse than you could have imagined with Antiochus. And so Daniel is left wondering, how will this end? What's, what's the good news in all of this? And Jesus reminds Daniel, and will remind him here again in chapter 12, the good news is, is that I will be with you until the end, and I will be the final say in the end of what exactly happens. So in Daniel chapter 12, verse 5, he asks two questions of Jesus in this conversation that he's having with Jesus. He says, then, Dan, then I, Daniel, and I'm going to read for you, and it'll be behind me on the screen if you haven't been with us before. Uh, we also have a copy of God's Word under the first seat of every row. So if you want to open up a Bible with us, please, please do that. So then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on, the other bank, on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, that's Jesus who he's speaking with, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And so he's heard about all of these things that are going to happen. And he wants to know in verse 6, he asks, how long will this take? When will the time end? In verse 7, he says, And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And at that, when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things will be finished. So Daniel asked this question, how long until the end? Essentially, he's asking, how long until the, to the end when the, the Antichrist rule is over? And so he is told the answer there in verse 7 will be a time, a times, and a half time. Now that's debated is exactly what that could mean, but utilizing the New Testament, which we have, we understand that to be there's a time of three and a half years. And so it's believed that the Antichrist will rule for a season of three and a half years. But the key, though, is that his rule will end. Again, not getting caught up at exactly when and how and the exact length of time, but what Jesus says is that his rule will end. Notice again what he says. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. There is a time when his rule will end. And this is a prophecy that is looking forward for us even. It was for Daniel and even today, looking forward to this time. And it will not be a pleasant time. It will not be a time of joy and happiness. It will be a terrible time. But Jesus says to Daniel, it's going to be the end. There will be a finish to it. Of course, Daniel didn't have the New Testament. And so in verse 8, he says back, I heard, but I did not understand. Many of you can appreciate that every Sunday morning. I heard, but I did not understand. Hopefully that won't be the case today, but we try each week to get a little bit more progress. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord. Now, here's the instruction, by the way. If that's you, he asked another question. So at the end of the time, when I come stand down here and you all run off and don't want to talk to me, this is when you come forward and ask a question. I'm teasing. Then I said, oh, Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said in verse 9, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the end of time. I love that, that the first thing, Daniel's confused. He wants to know, well, what's really going to happen? How's it going to look? And he first tells him, you know what? I already told you that it's going to end. You don't really need to worry about this. Go your way. Just kind of get out of here. I'm done telling you everything. But in his kindness, he gives him a little bit more clarity um, in verse 10. After telling him that the words are shut up and sealed to the end of the time, essentially he's saying, I hold everything and nothing is going to change. What I've said will happen, will happen. 
He then continues in verse 10, Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from that time the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. So he tells him to go away, but after he tells him to go away in verse 10, he says to him, there's going to be those that purify themselves that will be given a heart that is cleansed. The pure of heart will be cleansed. There's no doubt in his voice. There's no question about this, whether this will happen. Is it possible that this will happen? And so many of us maybe think to ourselves, are we sure that Jesus and what he did on the cross is enough? I hear that talked about in church all the time. I hear you telling me about what Jesus did and he sacrificed and laid down his life and all of those sorts of things that are happening. Is that really enough? And Jesus is saying to Daniel, in the end, the pure of heart will be cleansed. They will be. But he also says, the wicked will remain wicked. Those that don't understand and those that choose to deny me, those that reject the Savior, reject the Messiah, they will not understand. And they will remain wicked. But here's the key. Blessed are those, this is from verse 12, blessed are those who wait. Blessed are those who wait and remain steadfast and keep the faith, even as we see the wickedness increasing and growing around us. More and more, we talk about it almost every week, there's something that I say or reference speaking to the reality that this world just continually seems to get worse and more evidence of the brokenness shows up. News stories after news story. Just the way people interact with one another, even if it's not on the news, you see it perhaps in your daily life, on your street, in your relationships, you just see the brokenness of the world and it seems to show up in different ways over and over and over again. And Jesus is saying to Daniel, blessed are those who wait. Because in verse 13, he says, and this really could be the key to the entire book, you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. You know why I can put my hope in the future in what I have and not get bogged down by all the things of this life? When painful things happen, when death shows up, when sickness, when relationships are broken, when on and on, when all of those things, I see those come face to face, whether in my own life or in your lives as we meet together and cry together and grieve together. Or when I look at my own sin and I recognize that I don't have any right to stand before God, I surely don't have any right to stand here and profess and proclaim the word of God. There's nothing in me because I know my own sinful heart. Do you know what secures me? What gives me hope? is that I can rest and I can stand because I know that Jesus has said, you have an allotted place. And that is where you will be in the end. We talked about it last week. I go to prepare a place for you, he said. He promised us. And there, where I am, you shall be also. 
He's given us blessed assurance that no matter what happens in this world, if our hope is in Christ, fully in Him, that we have an allotted place and we shall rest and stand there with Him forever. So we don't have to get so caught up. God promises us everlasting life. And He holds us so that we can persevere until the end. This takes us back to what Colin read for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And just before this verse in 19, Paul's been dealing with the Corinthian church and their possibility, this false teaching that had crept up in the church that perhaps the resurrection wasn't true. Then perhaps Jesus didn't really raise from the dead and take up his life again. And he said in verse 19 that if that's true, if the resurrection of the dead is not true, then we're a people most to be pitied. Because if Jesus did not take up his life again and did not overcome sin and death, then we really don't have any hope. There is no future for us. Because as the Bible says, from dust we came and dust we will return. And if that's the end of our lives, and that's that's not very hopeful at all. But in verse 20, he says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by, man, by a man came death, that's who he is referencing there is Adam. Through Adam, through Adam and Eve, death came into the world. Sin entered into the world. And the same, by a man, Jesus Christ, has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, verse 22, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Because of what Jesus did, we can be made alive. We can know the hope that we have. We can rest and stand and know that we will have, we have an allotted place. So what does this mean for us? Essentially, it means this. There's two ways to live in this life. You have two options. And I'll just be transparent and tell you that more often than not, what we struggle with is trying to figure out which life we're going to live. One life, one foot set in this life, and one foot set in this li- the other. There's a reason that Paul says you can't be double-minded. Students, I know that one of the biggest struggles you have is to live for Christ, and you do that well here on Sunday mornings and perhaps even on Wednesday evenings and periodically when you gather together. But when you go into that classroom, into that school building, onto that sports field, you're tempted to live for something else. And that temptation doesn't grow old. We all deal with it. I deal with it still today. Everyone in this room deals with this temptation to try and live a dual, double-minded life. Just let me encourage you and exhort you. It's not possible. So if by God's grace you could decide today that you're done trying to live this double-minded life, you're done trying to accomplish and get everything that you can out of this life, your life will be filled with so much more joy and completeness and solid ground than you could ever accomplish by trying to balance and hold on to both of these things. Moms and dads, we deal with this every single day. But here's the two choices. The first is that we make the most of today. Today is what matters. We live a life with the motto of carpe diem, seize the day. Let this day be all that matters. And then when we do that, we are living a life that just says, from dust I came and dust I will return. This life is all that matters. When we do that, we live a life that says everything that I chase down, everything I pursue is so that I can have happiness right now. 
We live to try and make this life our best life. This be our aim. This be our hope. But you know what happens with that? And I don't have to probably tell you this, but what you will find out if you strive to live that way is that you will be constantly disappointed. Anybody else have a problem and you just think in your mind very often at your home, we, we just can't have nice things. Dads especially get this. We buy that nice new vehicle, and maybe it's not new to, uh, to brand new, but that new car, it's got some shine on it. I mean, in a minute, that thing's got a scratch on it, just, just all the way down the side. We get some new furniture in the house. I mean, the old furniture has looked pretty terrible, but it hadn't been stained in years. I mean, we take the cellophane off, orange soda just everywhere. We just can't have nice things. That's how life is. When we put our hope in this life, we go after all these things. And we go after this and we think, if I get this job, then that'll satisfy me. And then that job doesn't satisfy you. In fact, it lets you down and you're disappointed. Then we find ourselves straight, trying to get after this relationship. And we get that, you know, young people. We get that boyfriend or that girlfriend. And we think, this is what will make me happy. Maybe if this person is the one that's going to become my spouse, that's where I'm going to find happiness. And then that person lets us down and we feel disappointed. And then we move into a new place and we have a new neighbor and we think, finally, I'm going to have some great relationships with my neighbors. I'm going to have a best friend that's going to just loan me everything. And then we find out that they're, you know, they're not very nice after all anyway. And so then we get disappointed in that. And we just on and on and on. We keep chasing after whatever we can find. And tomorrow there's going to be something new out there that you're going to say to yourself in your heart. It's going to just say, man, if I could do that. That, then that will satisfy me and I will find open happiness in that. Young people, if I can make this team, if I can achieve this grade, if I can find this social setting, if I get asked to this dance in the right way by the right boy or the right girl, whatever those things are, we keep chasing, chasing, chasing and then we find every time they let us down, they disappoint us. That is the life that we have for us when we make everything about this life and that's what we pursue. But there's an alternative to making the most of today. The alternative is to put our hope in a future that is secure. To put our hope in the fact that we shall rest and shall stand in an allotted place. When we live for that, guess what? We don't have so much weight on the things for this life to be perfect. We can deal with the scratch in the car. That's still part of my sanctification process, by the way. I'm not there yet. I'm growing in grace. But our happiness isn't contingent upon events, people, or circumstances. But our joy is found in the future that we know we have for coming for us. We are able to live not expecting our best life now, but looking forward to a life perfected by a Savior and in living an eternal relationship with Him. We're not bound to just live for ourselves, but we actually get to lay down our lives and put others first and have, live with others in mind regularly. It just becomes the way we live our lives because we're not trying to get everything for us. I'm not trying to win everything. I can just let my life be an open book and an open hand and say, I am yours to do with or what you please to the Lord, but also to the people around us, those that we're in relationship with. We can live with others in mind because our future, 
My future, as much as I love every single one of you in this room, my future is not contingent upon what you think of me, what you say about me, or what you treat me, or how you treat me. My future is secure. I'm free. And guess what? That doesn't give me a freedom to just write you off and say, well, I don't care about you because my future is secure. No, I can love freely and with complete abandon because it doesn't matter if you don't return that love. It doesn't matter if you don't reciprocate those feelings. It doesn't matter if I'm treated differently because I, I have a, a future. It's secured. I will rest and I will stand in the allotted place that Christ has for me. This is what it looks like for us to live with hope while we are in exile as we wait for Jesus to return. And so some of you might think, well, I don't know. I don't know if I've persevered very well. I've got sin in my life. I keep doing wicked things. I'm like those people. Am I the wicked one? (laughs) Here's the promise of Jesus from John 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And Jesus says, and I will raise Him up on that day. So you might have had a train wreck week. You might have sinned and fallen completely short of the glory of God this morning. We do it daily and weekly. But when our hope and our trust and our belief is in Christ, we can rest in the assurance of His grace and His mercy that says, I will raise you up on that day. And when we know that, we can come into the house of God with the people of God. We can confess that. We can lay that down at Jesus' feet. And we can know that our future has not been changed because of it. That's hope, friends. That's everlasting joy that cannot be quenched by whatever this life might throw on you. I pray that we would live with that. Let us be people who live in exile with the everlasting hope of knowing we have a place where we will one day rest and we will one day stand completely secure in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Before I pray, um, this is a a day that um, we have to uh, celebrate or (laughs) um, share periodically. Um, But one of our... uh, members is leaving us. And so as uh, this happens periodically in the life of a church, it's normal for people to come in and go. Um, We like to take opportunity just to bless them um, and encourage them and send them off. Um, Being a part of the family of God means that family members sometimes say goodbye. Um, For a church, they're gospel goodbyes. And so uh, we get to send this family out and bless them and then just trust the Lord, His hand is on this move and is on this transition, um, and we'll go before them. And so I'm going to ask the Clevenger family to come up, Donovan and Kirsty, and um, they are returning to Lubbock um, this week, soon to be. Um, and uh, so we just wanted to pray over them and bless them uh, as they went out. And here's one thing that, that, you know, we talk about this all the time in this church, God brought you here for a reason. He brought you to this city, to this community. He brought you into this church family for a purpose. 
Um, and that sometimes, if we're lucky, it means we get to do life until Jesus returns and we get to keep doing it together. But sometimes it will be for a season. Um, and I won't put them on the spot, um, but they have served faithfully in our church. Um, uh, Kirstie's been a, a, just such an impactful member of our children's team and Donovan's serving alongside of her and was set up and all these such, sorts of things. But um, I think that they would testify that God brought them to Melissa for a very clear purpose. And he had them here for a season. They've been here for about uh, five years now or four years, four years now. And in this season, um, they've been able to share with me just what God's done in their life. And so now as they go out, we just trust that he is going to continue to go uh, before them um, as they move back to Lubbock. And uh, I've already reached out, and they know uh, they don't know this yet, but there's going to be pastors looking for them in Lubbock, friends of mine, um, that uh, they're, they're going to know that they're in town again. And uh, so they're going to continue on their journey. But um, just uh, I'd ask as we pray together and thank God for this day um, that we could also just lift up the Clevenger family and just ask the Lord to continue to go uh, before them in, uh, in this move. Let's pray. Lord God, um, we thank you. Um, we thank you so much for this day. And um, Lord, as we'll celebrate tomorrow, just the freedoms that we enjoy, um, freedoms that we didn't necessarily pay for, but that were bought um, by men and women that went before us, a freedom to gather and worship today, um, to lift your name. And, and what a blessing it has been for me to just be with your people to enjoy this. Um, we also celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ, the eternal freedom that we have, secured for us by our Savior Jesus. And so we begin just by praising you and thanking you for that. I thank you that um, what your word has said is true, that you will give us a place of rest and where we will stand with you forever, Jesus. That's not contingent upon what we have done, but it's, it's been purchased by you when you lay down your life on the cross for us. And so I pray that if there's any soul in this room that doesn't know that hope, that has not believed, that isn't sure they will be raised on the last day as John promised, the gospel of John promises us, um, Lord, I pray that, that right now, let today be the day of salvation where they are given hope. Let them believe in Jesus and his finished work on the cross right now. God, we also thank you for the family that you have established, family that we call the Parks Church. This is your church. This is your family. And we thank you that we have just had the opportunity for the last four years to be blessed and to serve alongside the Clevenger family. God, I rejoice in what you have done in their lives not because of us, not because we're anything special, but because you've chosen to move in our midst. You've, you've allowed your presence to be with us in this, this church. And so we just thank you for them. And God, as, as you unfold your plans for their life, we, we trust that this move um, back to Lubbock is a move that is according to your, your will. And um, you, have, you have orchestrated all of the events to bring it about. And so uh, we thank you that your hand is surely on their lives. And God, as we say goodbye um, this morning, uh, we ask in Jesus' name that you would continue to go before them and make their path straight. Lord, I pray that they would continue to live um, lives yielded to you, submitted to your will, moment by moment. 
God, we pray for Harper and Case and Owen. We thank you for their young hearts and pray as they transition um, to a new house and new city and ultimately new schools and friend groups, Lord, that you would just bless them and you'd go before them. You'd, you'd provide just strong relationships. God, we pray for the church that will receive the Clevenger family, that they would quickly find their place to call home and find a place to continue to serve your kingdom. God, um, just what a perfect picture of your sovereign hand as we um, uh, say goodbye and um, what a bittersweet day that is for us, but also just get to rejoice in the truth that you're in control and that, that, they, that this move is not a surprise or a shock to you at all, but it is according to your plan and you are, you are orchestrating events for the Clevenger's good and for your glory. And so uh, we just entrust them to you. And again, we thank you for the service that they have given to our faith family. What a blessing they have been. I thank you for these dear friends. I bless your name and I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.